Welcome to episode 67 of the Horror Dads podcast. And boy, do we have a doozy for you today, don't we, Jamie? Yes, we do. It's our... This is a special one. It's our buddy. Should we say buddy? I think he's He's our our buddy buddy now, yeah. Russell Todd. Do you guys know what Russell Todd is from? What's he from, John? So Russ Todd was in three films of uh, significance to a lot of horror fans, but he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, He's got a huge resume. Yeah. So his first uh, horror film was He Knows You're Alone. Uh, which came out in, I believe, with Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks yep. was in that. Um, he was in Friday the 13th Part 2. He was. Uh, he played the character of Scott, who had the slingshot. Remember the guy that gets killed hanging upside down? Yep. Yep. And then in 1986, I believe it was, he was in Chopping Mall. Yes, that's, that's, we all love Friday the 13th Part 2. But Chopping Mall is like the standout for me. So my favorite of these films is Friday the 13th Part 2. My favorite role of his yes. is definitely Chopping Mall. That's what Mall. I mean. Yeah. 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 Um, and this is amazing. So uh, it, if this is your first time listening to the show, this is a little bit of an atypical one. So we typically do a somewhat lengthy intro where we catch up and we talk about stuff. But uh, we've had a lot of scheduling conflicts and we're jamming a lot in in the month of July here. So we're going to actually just get right into the interview. Uh, we'll let you enjoy that, but uh, please check us out on social media at Horror Dads on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can check us out on our website at horrordads.com. But we don't want to deny you from Russ Todd any longer, so we're going to get right into it. No, but also check out Chopping Mall if you haven't seen it yet. It's on Shutter. Yes. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. If you haven't seen it and you listen to the show and you're a fan of the show, you're going to love it. Welcome to episode 67 of the Horror Dads podcast. Jamie and I are unbelievably thrilled and humbled to be joined by actor and agent Russell Todd. Russell, Russ, Mr. Todd, which my wife said I'm not allowed to call you. Welcome to the show, man. (laughs) It's great to be here, John and Jamie. Thank you very much for having me. We're so glad to uh, finally meet you, man, and thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. So, uh, for those, we've got a ton of listeners, and a lot of our listeners are very into 80s horror. Uh, so those of you that are, are into 80s horror, um, uh, Russ has been in a lot of films that you know. Friday the 13th, part, t- uh, part 2, he played the character of Scott. Um, he was in the film He Knows You're Alone in the opening sequence, um, the movie within the movie scene, which is one of my favorite of the film. And he also played the character of Rick in Chopping Mall, which is one of Jamie and I's all-time favorites. And your character in that movie is is so awesome. So, uh, thank you. Just we uh, we corresponded with you. I think it was um, on Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, what was there? There was one in May, right, Jamie? I think. Yeah, I think I think there was one last month or two months ago. And it was crazy. Uh, I had interview or I had emailed you, and when I signed off on the email i said happy friday the 13th and i was like how has my life come to this that i'm emailing russ todd watching friday the 13th and saying this to him on this day which is pretty cool <laughs> but uh that's funny so russ tell us about your journey into acting man uh your, your first gig you started off in what, what was it young and the restless well actually um i was living in new york and I was in the city and I saw an ad in, in the rag called Backstage, which, you know, auditions for actors, they buy it. And I saw this um, uh, Friday the 13th. And uh, so I answered it and I went on the audition for it. 
Uh, but wait a second. Had I done um, Who Knows Your Alone prior to that? What year was Who Knows Your Alone? That was 1980 that was released. And so I that think... was sooner, yeah. yeah. So the first thing I did, you're yeah, correct. We'll back up. The first thing I did was that. I, I, I forget where I saw that audition, but I got called in um, and I read for the part and they gave it to me right there. And like you said, I played uh, an actor in a movie, in the movie. Yeah. So within the movie. <laughs> and it was kind of cool. Um, and I'm making out with this girl in a car and, and we hear a, you know, a tap somewhere, a sound outside. And she tells me to go check on it. I go and check on it. And then there's silence. And then she hears another you know, tap on the car and she comes out and she sees me hanging upside down with my throat slit and my ring is hitting the, uh, the top of the car. So, and she screams, of course, and then, uh, she screams and then the audience screams and we realizes, we realize that people are just watching this in a movie theater. And that's just prior to the first kill yeah. where a girl gets stabbed in the movie theater. But, uh, it's funny that, uh, that was my first one. Um, but here I die, you know, with a slit throat and as we know, in Friday the 13th, part two, I die almost exactly yeah, the, the same, same way. Upside down, Up, too, yeah. Upside down <laughs> and with a slit throat. So I was beginning to think, is this how I'm cast for the rest of my life? <laughs> Do you, uh, so you, did you grow up in New York? That's what your IMDb I says. I did. I grew up in Troy, New York, outside of Albany. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Familiar with that. So your family grew up in the area. So were they, was this your path where, was your family like, hey, you know, Russ is an actor like this. We know this is what he's going to do. And when you told him you got the part, you're like, hey, I'm going to be in this movie. He knows you're alone. How were they? What was their reaction? Well, they uh, they were thrilled that uh, I got the part, of course. But I remember years ago, I always wanted to be a filmmaker. I used to make Super 8 movies in the house. I did a Western, which actually won the um, the Kodak Best Young Filmmaker Award. Oh, my God. Many, many years ago. Oh. It was a Western I made in my house. I put up like from the where the... Uh, entranceway went into the den. I, you know, I uh, cut out a cardboard like saloon doors and I put them up and that was the saloon and got this Western outfit and somehow they loved it. Kodak. And I won an award for that. So I, and I was making super eight movies on the uh, animated movies on the uh, floor of my kitchen. I remember I had put a map down on the floor and I had a little um, car and I started in New York and I always wanted to be in LA. So I thought I'll just animate it all the way to Los Angeles. But halfway through a car was coming the other way on route 10, whatever the hell route it was. And they crash and they both explode into flames. <laughs> So, so to achieve that effect, at the moment they explode, I had to put some lighter fluid on them and light it. What I didn't know is I was burning a hole through the floor in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, so uh, as much fun. The movie came out fine. It was great. It looked like they were traveling, and then all of a sudden crashed and exploded. But the floor was ruined, so I took a lot of crap for that. So your family was Grounded probably for life. Yeah, like, hey, yeah. this is great. Yeah, go make movies with someone else in their environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But so they always knew I wanted to be in the industry and I always, you know, wanted to be a film director, or filmmaker. And when I went to college, I, uh, I wrote Verna Fields, who at that time was head of production at Universal Studios. And I was, a, I think, a junior in, in college at Syracuse University. And she had won the Academy Award uh, for editing Jaws. Yeah. And yeah. so she knew Spielberg. And so I wrote her and compared myself to Steven Spielberg. I'm a young, budding Spielberg. I won, I won this award from Kodak. I'd love to, you to see my work. Come to Syracuse where we're making movies and class and blah, blah, blah. 
And I couldn't believe it. Like three months later, I get a letter from Verna Fields saying I was so impressed by your by your letter that I would love to come speak at your school and meet you. That's incredible. Oh, it was unbelievable. Oh, my God. So she came to the school. All, men, all of a sudden, I was a big man on campus because I brought Verna Fields there. And then the head of the department loved me at that point. And, you know, she gave a lecture and I showed her a film I made. And she goes, what do you want to do? You want to be a film director, right? She goes, well, you're not going to do it in Syracuse. Come to Hollywood. And she got me a job, even though it was just it was a tour guide at Universal Studios. But I was the only tour guide with her um, permission to visit the sound stages when I wasn't working. So I had open you know, access to all of the productions being made and to watch films and TV shows being made. That's incredible. And she became my mentor. And I thought that you know, somehow it was all gonna work. And unfortunately, soon after that, she, she passed away of cancer. Oh. So that relationship, yeah, she was, it was too bad. She was a great lady. But um, I was still doing the tour. And people kept asking me on the tour, you know, it'd be, hey, my name is Russ. And on behalf of, it was then MCA Universal. My name is Russell. On behalf of MCA Universal, I would like to welcome you aboard the Universal Studios guided tour. That's how it opened. And, and You'll I'd never forget people, that sentence. <laughs> never, never. And, um, in fact, oh my God, we did that tour so many times every weekend or during the week too. But my customers in the tram would often say, are you an actor? Are you an actor? And I thought, no, I'm not. But, uh, Maybe I should look into that. So I got some headshots done and I did start getting a couple of commercials. I had been in a model in New York prior to all of to this. So I had done some stuff, but um, I had never really acted. And so I, um, I did uh, some commercials and I thought, well, maybe that's, you know, where I should be. So I started auditioning for more things and I started getting roles and, and that's where I went. Awesome. Well, I got to say, story. yeah, my, um, our families are very encouraged. Our wives particularly are very, very supportive of this endeavor. Um, that makes us zero dollars. Yeah, it takes a lot of our time. Um, yeah. but our families, like our parents, our grandparents, they get, we do this, but they don't really understand what a podcast is. But I, I called my <laughs> wife's grandmother and I said, Hey, I'm going to send you a picture of a person because she really loves soap operas. And I said, I need you to tell me if you know who this person is. And she instantly knew your character's name, talked about how uh, you exited the show, how you entered Bold and Beautiful. And she just like went right off and she said, and tell that man he's very handsome. So you've got a fan here. <laughs> well, you young... tell her, thank you very much for being a fan. And, and I love her. That's great. I, I was at the Hollywood Bowl uh, just last week. And, you know, pe most people stop me from... Um, some from Where the Boys Are 84, which was an Alan Carr movie I started, mm -hmm. but many mostly from um, Friday the 13th and, and the soap opera. But someone came up to me. I'm in, I'm in the men's room and uh, I'm washing my hands in the men's room. A guy next to me goes, how you doing? I go, good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. He goes, I like you, man. I go, oh, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> that's all he said. I'm thinking, all right. <laughs> and he goes, I love me? <laughs> I, he said, I love your work. I said, oh, that's great. What do you know me from? He goes, um, Friday 13 part two, right? I go, yeah. He goes, oh my God, my wife is going to be so jealous. She's up in those seats and um, she's going to be so jealous that I met you. So I said, let's take a picture. So we took a picture together so she could, he could show it to her, but I didn't see them any other time during the show. But uh, it's funny how people stop you and, and in interesting places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have to shoot their shot when they can, right? It's like, yeah, if I don't, if I don't say it while he's washing his hands, I may never get to say it. 
<laughs> I had a guy when I was doing Another World, I was uh, at that time, I was having dinner with my wife outside in, that, in the restaurant and I was in the bathroom and a guy comes up to the urinal next to me and he just, again, looks at me, he goes, can I get your autograph? And I said, I'm no. taking a, I said, I'm taking a piss. <laughs> right now? <laughs> can we do it later? <laughs> he was like, I don't mean now. It was, it was just such an odd timing, you know? <laughs> Oh, at least man. wait till the stream is done you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so do you remember what the audition was like for he knows you're alone which was your, your first there wow i really don't i remember i was reading with his director armand mastriani and uh i remember i read with him uh in some office um and he just said you're perfect let's just do it so it was really very simple i don't remember much else about it i watched so uh scream factor just released a great version of he knows you're alone and i bought it for both um jamie and i because i mean how many people can say they've been in a movie with tom hanks that's amazing i know and i and i feel bad whatever happened to tom i know right does, does he work <laughs> anymore <guy>. yeah <laughs> you know it's funny thing I, I never saw him I, I worked one day in staten island <laughs> and uh never saw anybody else except the girl i worked with so it's a shame I what, so that movie was filmed in new york Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, I was because that Shout Factory release that came out. It they they have a great interview with Armand after the fact, and I honestly like I have such a deep um, deep love for that film. I found it in college. Uh, mm-hmm. The there was this channel uh, called the Chiller Channel that existed for a while. It's no longer around. I remember that name. Yeah. Oh, and I caught it on there one day, and I just I fell in love with this movie. I loved it so much. The intro sequence was so impactful because it was the scene within the scene, and I was like, "Oh my god, this mm-hmm. is 1980! Like this hasn't been done yet. It's been done a million times since." Yeah, and, yeah, it's um, true. I thought it was so great, but I really Ar- Armand's interview. He was talking about like, "Hey, I'm not I'm not a classically trained." Um, you know, director, like I didn't go to school for this. Like I just love movies. I love pictures. I love doing right. this. So hearing that that was the kind of interview process for the role, like that's comforting to hear because he nailed the absolute yeah. hell out of that movie and he cast everyone properly, but um, it seems like he yeah. just did it in his own way. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He made it very easy, which was nice. Yeah. I could tell you horror stories. About <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want me to go on a tangent or not, but a funny, I want to hear a funny story about yeah. a casting. Let's hear it. Yes. Brian De Palma. Um, blow up, blow out, blow up. What, blow up or blow out? I forget what it was called. I'll, I will confirm. as you Yeah, but it's one ahead. of his big movies. And um, I get called in to read for a role. And I go into the room and De Palma's sitting behind a desk on a phone talking. And I see the casting director who I know. And there's someone else sitting in the room. I have no idea. And I get in and he motions for me to start. Like, go, go. And so casting director says, let's just go. So I read, I read, I read. He never looks up once from from his desk. He's on a conversation. He never looks up once. And then when we're done, she says, thank you. And on the way out, I went like this. And she goes, I'll call you. So um, I left. And then she called me later. She goes, you know, when you walk in the room with De Palma, if you're not right for the role, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care about the audition process. Too bad. You know, he just tuned out like that. I thought, what a son of a bitch to do that. Why even have me read then? Yeah. yeah. You know, they want to see a face. I get that. But show some respect. I don't care yeah. who you are. Yeah. You know, because yeah. as actors, you know, you, you, you know, you get this, you study, you, you, the time it takes to go there, especially in New York, to go back and forth. And, and uh, it's just a pain in the ass. So uh, I was really surprised. Russell, so are you a fan of, like, did you grow up as a horror fan or you're a horror fan now? Or is it just... 
you know, was it just some rules that you took? Uh, a little of all of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, growing up, I mean, there was The Exorcist, this horror, you know, I loved The Exorcist and that, you know, was terrific. And I guess I did enjoy horror a lot. I loved uh, science fiction. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as a kid, I couldn't get enough of Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. There was, there was something oh, yeah. about those makeups, the latex that, you know, moved like they were really their faces. <laughs> and I had the good fortune of my friend, uh, John Caglione, who's a special effects makeup artist, making me into one of those uh, when I was living in New York City to oh, go to a Halloween it. party. And the exact face that moved with you, the latex pieces, was incredible. He created the cone heads, John. Oh, my God. So, oh. so he did this. I didn't realize it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was great. He used to bring me to, because he worked at Saturday Night Live, and I would go there two weekends a month for like a year and watch the show and, and be in the makeup room and see Belushi when it was, when it was really amazing. Oh, that's incredible. You know, all the stars, Dan Aykroyd, Belushi, uh, um, Gilda, all of them. It was great. But, um, but I did like horror. Um, I, if, I don't watch that much of it now. Um, and people always ask me about the other Friday the 13th. I've seen two of them. Um, so is the one you were in one of them? Um, yeah, <laughs> which, which was actually, actually, uh, let me change <laughs> both of them. I was in because in part four, oh, there's a recap. I lift my death and put it into four. So those are the only two I see. And the only reason I watched part four is I had to go through it and do time codes where I appeared because as an actor, you know, your, your residuals are terrific, you know, once you get them and they denied that I was in part four paramount. Okay. I said, what do you mean you denied it? Um, I'm in it. You lifted. There's my face. You prove it. Prove so wait, it? that's upon you to have to prove? They don't reach out Shouldn't and say. SAG should insane. have gone after them and got the residuals from day one. But I remember SAG saying to me once, well, we're understaffed. I'm oh. thinking, why am I paying my dues? Yeah. So um, I had to get time codes and find out where I was and submit it to Paramount on my own. And eventually said, oh, yeah, that's you. You're right. You're in it. And then I got residuals, you know, backdated since the day it uh, it aired or it showed. But uh, it was just crazy. But uh, <laughs> So Friday the 13th Part 2, um, what was the optics, I guess, of that film at that time? Because we actually, we spoke to Larry Zerner, um, who was in yeah. the third one. Uh, he, he plays Shelly. So, and he was saying at that time, he was like, we had no idea, any of us, that we were participating in what was to become such a prominent and amazing thing. Uh, right. Was, was that a similar story, obviously, for, for two? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, I saw one and I was frightened by it. I thought it was a terrific film. So when I saw in backstage that they were um, casting part two, I thought, oh, I'd love to be part of that, to do the sequel to that. So when I went on the audition and I got the role, um, it was really exciting. Uh, we, I mean, obviously, none of us at any point knew what kind of franchise this would become and how devoted the fans are all, yeah. all around the world. It's it's just it's incredible. Uh, you know, I, I do these conventions You know, I show up and in, in signatures and photos and stuff and people are amazing. And the facts they know are amazing. I mean, they, they know more than we as the cast members and we were shooting it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they know backgrounds. In fact, let me just see if I have. Oh, I sent them back already. But, you know, people, look, 
people said, someone just sent me this photo of me from the movie. I have to sign and send back, uh, you know, the, the, the cutthroat. Oh, oh sorry, you're not going to be, you're not showing this video anyway, but, um, but I mean, it's just, I get stuff all the time. Someone made baseball cards with my name and my last name from the show, which I never even knew. You know? <laughs> oh, I, as far as I knew, he was just Scott. <laughs> so incredible. that's incredible. Yeah. It's wild, but it just, it's just amazing the life it has. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's quite quite spectacular. So Steve Miner at that time, um, who, who directed the film, so he he was what a production assistant on one, and then he went on to direct I think two and three. Uh, yeah, how was he to work with? Was he? Steve was great. Yeah, he was. He let us roll with what we wanted to do. You know, he gave us adjustments when necessary, but you know, he knew we were all basically a bunch of new younger actors, and. Um, and he, I guess he cast us for whatever personalities we had and, uh, you know, what we could bring to the, to the shoot. But um, he was very free, you know, with all of us on the set and let us, let us run and do little crazy stuff that came to our heads. And if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, we stuck to the script. Yeah. But uh, he was a very, very nice guy. I, I enjoyed working with him a lot. Do you keep in contact with anyone from, from Friday 13th part two? I do because I see them at conventions. Oh, um, I meant to ask you: Were you? Um, no, you were. I think, and you, I don't think you were at your table. So I went to my first convention in November in Chicago to um, Day, uh, Days of the Dead. I guess Days, it was called Days of the Dead. But this this past when November? Uh, November twenty one, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. You know what? Hold on one second. Was I there? Um, Adrian King was there, and. Um, I think I was in France. Oh, you're in France. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Chicago. Fra- no, wait. I went to France the following. I do see it on my account. 19, 20, 21. Yeah. 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 I was there. All right. I was there as well. And I was really upset because I was only there one day. And for right. a small period of time, I was actually in town for work. And I just like rented a car and drove up for, uh, for the evening just to do uh-huh. that. And I got a chance to talk to Amy Steele and Adrian King. And um, I was looking for as many Friday the 13th uh, folks as I could, could talk to. So I, I missed you at that show, but we will. That's get too you bad. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I always see uh, Amy and John Fury, of course. Yeah. They're usually you know, seated next to each other. But Adrian, um, uh, Kristen, who is the girl that I play yeah. opposite, she was there at the last show I did. Um, and Bill Randolph. Yeah. The, with the, yeah. the hat, the. The kid with a hat, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bill's a great guy. I love Bill. He's funny. He's so funny. And then um oh my God. The one that dies in the bed with Bill. Um oh, she's gonna kill me. Uh oh. We won't send the episode <laughs> to her. Um she's the one that was she was really young during that time, right? I really mean, I young. guess everybody was, yes. but I think she was yeah. like under eighteen. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm blanking on her name. No, no, Jackie. Twitter. You're in trouble now. Oh, you bet I am. <laughs> oh, Lord, Lauren Marie Taylor. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Sorry about that, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, we're gonna get a but, nasty uh, message from Lauren. And be like, you need yeah, to vet course. your guests before you bring. Them yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna see her probably. We're doing another show. Uh, well, I've got one. She probably won't be there. I've got one in L.A. Um, sometime in August. I'm doing a show. Do you Friday, get approached uh, for any or, of the the? Fa- I know um, talking to Adrian when I was when I met her in November, 
Uh, so Vincent DeSantis has been pretty active in the Friday the 13th fan films. Um, uh-huh. So I know he's been reaching out to a lot of uh, folks from from the from the from the films. So I don't know. Does that happen? I don't think I've heard from Vincent. Yeah. The fan films are legit, um, but they are just fan films at this point. But I think Adrian's right. in the newest one he's doing, right, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Right, I feel like he's slowly but surely getting uh, more and more people from the films. Yeah. So hopefully one day we'll get you in there. I, that'd be great. I have a great idea yeah. for, for another Friday film. What they should do is, well, I'm just talking about my film, but all of us should come back as the parents, because we look like the kids, obviously, as the parents of the deceased kids. And we're trying to find closure. So we go to the camp to try to find closure to this. And of course, we're picked off one by one. I'm in. There's crowdfunding. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had, because, you know, in my agenting life, uh, they were making another Friday and they contacted me for crew. And I mentioned that, but the person I mentioned it to was a a UPM, unit production manager. So they had no pull in what's made. But um, I said, you got to get this idea to Paramount. You got to do it. Because I think it would, I think people would love that because they see, they see the people they liked now as the adults and we've all aged. And, uh, and we're back. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. So, did did you see the remake, the reboot that came out in two thousand nine? I guess not. I didn't. No. no. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah. Talking with Larry Zerner, I think he said that was the one that he was like, uh, "I was out on that. Just didn't like, didn't like it." He said oh, it was too yeah. mean. <laughs> was that the most current? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's the last one yeah. we got, 2009. Oh, nine. Yeah. Oh, nine. Wow, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, there was a, there, I, I think there was a ownership issue that's been, that was in litigation. Um, so I think, Well, just a few years ago, I thought they were trying to do another one. That's when this woman contacted me, but it never happened. Yeah, I think it was all linked to yeah. that. There was some, um, some court cases going on, but I believe it's all been resolved. So I expect <laughs> hopefully any time now you'll be getting a call, Russ, so we can see you again. I can't crystal go back. (laughs) All right. Well, we'd be remiss not to move on to, um, I guess the, the third of the trifecta of your, your, your horror experience, uh, which was the latest of them in 1986. So this came five years after Friday 13th part two, but chopping mall. Yeah. Chopping mall. So packed with so many actors. Yeah. Um, so what, you know, what was that experience like? We had a blast. I mean, it was being made like less than 10 minutes from my home here. Uh, We shot it every evening. We'd go to the Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is famous from from some other movies. And um, Mm -hmm. we showed up, you know, when they were closing. Well, we'd get there probably around eight o'clock at night and do makeup, wardrobe and stuff. And then when everything was closed, we would go around and decimate the place. But, (laughs) you know, it, it was just it was just, it was exciting. It was such a thrill. First of all, to be doing a Roger Corman project. Well, it was really Julie Corman, his wife, who was the main producer on it. But um, I hadn't known Jim Winorski prior, but I'm so glad I do now because Jim is a great guy and a hoot. He has a, a wicked sense of humor. He's bright. He's creative. He knows what he wants. And he also, like Steve Miner, he allows you to to play and, 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 and bring, you know, yourself to those roles and, and, and to attempt things that either work or don't work. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to carry that, 
you know, the rifle around and running around the mall shooting these things and and being a, a hero character. Um, I love the scene where we break into a, 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 part, a, a sporting goods store to get ammunition and stuff. And I throw a crowbar at it and then we go in there and I'm telling them, <laughs> grab these things, grab those things. They hold up the gun to the uh, uh, to the camera. And I think I say, uh, uh, oh, damn, wait, the little line. You probably know the line better than I do. Um, I just watched it yesterday. <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> Oh, let's send those fuckers a Rambogram. Yeah. The line That's right. The Rambogram. Rambo-gram. I love that. that let's line. send those fuckers a Rambogram. Was, it, was that ad-libbed or was that in the script? <laughs> no, he wrote that. Yeah. 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 yeah he wrote that. But uh, yeah, there's just great lines and, and just fun dealing with those robots. And um, yeah, well, what was it like working with those robots? Were they, uh, were they like, did they perform well or was it like, oh, God, these robots are malfunctioning? <laughs> there were times where there were malfunctions, um, but most of the yeah. time they, they worked as planned. And, uh, you know, when you're when you're with them, I mean, they look cool, as you know. In fact, I have a little version of one. This guy makes models of them and I have one in my office. But, um, you know, when you're working with them, you're you're in your character. So you have to assume they are deadly and work with that and play that. So uh, it kind of, you know, takes takes over rather than you, 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 you know, if you're just looking at it, standing there looking at you, you know, it's kind of, you know, you would laugh. But when you're in, in the headspace and in the role and it's chasing you, um, you do your job and you uh, you imagine it's real. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Were they uh, like remote control driven? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. I figured as I was watching it. I was like, yeah. it's probably so much fun just being on set and just like everyone giggling and laughing and being like, Oh, I we fucked did. up. I, I ran yeah. into a wall. Hang on. We got to, let me back him up. I dinged his, uh, dinged his shoulder. Here. <laughs> dings, yeah, yeah. They would run into things. <laughs> yeah. They would definitely do that. And so would we, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting when you work with inanimate objects like that, that are well brought to life, but not real. Um, so much is, you know, they have to perform properly to get the shot and you have to perform properly in that frame to make it work. Uh, but it's a hoot. It really is uh, yeah. to deal with killer robots. <laughs> and how about the ventilation systems? Were those on like a soundstage? Or I assume that was not in the mall. No, that would, well, I, I believe they could, I don't, well, I, I wasn't in those scenes. I was in the, in running around still, but um, I don't know if they shot that. It definitely wasn't the real system, but I don't know if they built sure. it. Yeah. Or, or they built it at a, at a soundstage. I'm not sure. I love that scene where you and your wife are outside working on the truck and she went up to you. You're like, ah, first time, every time. (laughs) We were also laughing about how, uh, so Jamie said to me a couple of days ago, we were talking about chopping mall. He's like, you know, Russ's character is married to that girl in that movie. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and they're going to this fucking furniture store party. (laughs) inside a mall, And they're married, married couple. (laughs) Well, we were swingers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i guess yeah <laughs> we, we, yeah well, we had a good laugh actually about that we we love the furniture in that store yeah yeah they have, they have good comfortable beds, beds. Yeah. <laughs> so but you so you had some heavy hitters in that movie you had kelly maroney uh barbara crampton yeah um how tony are, odell who had, had done the tv series a few things yeah uh paul paul bartell uh oh yeah he, you know he's yeah. Great character actor. Um, so 
I guess, yeah. How was everyone to work with? You get, you said everyone was just having fun all the time and yeah, um, there, were, there were no egos at all. Even yeah. the most well-known people, um, it was a very relaxed set. Uh, everyone, you know, just does their job to make it work. And, um, you know, there's, again, I think Jim sets the tone for the, for the set and, and, and he's a, a very easy, calm, funny tone. Uh, so it was very comfortable to be there. Yeah. This was his second film he made too. And he's gone on to make a hundred and yeah, he's done a lot seven, of stuff. I mean, these titles are insane. Um, he did nine, seven, six evil two. I didn't even realize there was a second one. No, but get ready for the third probably. Yeah, I'm seriously. Gonna... I'm going to keep scrolling. It might be up here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does a lot of TNA too. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh man. Oh, he, yeah. The bear wench project. There it is. Yeah. He, he just didn't know. Yeah. He just did another one like, um, what's that creature that's in the woods that's fictitious? Sasquatch. Yeah, he did one of that with with like you know buxom babes looking after Sasquatch. Oh, trying big, to find Bigfoot or bust? Yeah, that must. Yeah, be there something. it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. <laughs> Man, so he's done a number of those things too. But he's yeah, he's 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 cooking them out constantly. He's he keeps going. It's great. Do you have um, a relationship at all with? Anyone from that that film? I guess do you, do is Chopping Mall a big convention circuit? I guess probably way less than Friday the Thirteenth. It is way less. Yeah. In fact, when I do, well, it's funny. The last conference I did, convention I did, um, which I think was in Atlanta, um, mo- almost everyone was Friday the Thirteenth, but also Chopping Mall. They'd be looking at the Friday pictures and they would see one Chopping Mall. Oh my God, I love that movie. I love that movie. That's my favorite movie. Uh, buy a picture, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, but seriously, guys, buy, yeah. buy a picture. <laughs> They're both very popular. They really are. Yeah. That's awesome. So in addition to my, my, uh, my wife's grandmother, Jamie's sister is also very into soap operas. And uh, wow. a couple of months back when we were talking about uh, potentially having you on the show, um, mm-hmm. before we reached out, she pulled up your IMDb and she goes, this guy's been on soap operas. I know he's been on soap operas. Yeah. Um, and then she started looking and we saw all the credentials there. So yeah. I guess how we've, we have talked for a year, like prior to having this podcast, like my family, we always talk about like how difficult it must be, or maybe how easy we don't know it is to film soap operas. Cause it's like one continuous story for eternity. Right. So like, it's yeah. You know, it, Six months later, it's like five days later. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what is how is it like filming and and working on soap operas versus film? It's very different. First of all, you're doing, um, like you said, you know, pretty much a, a script a day, an hour a day, but it can take anywhere from your part. You might you might be at the studio for four hours. You might be there for twenty four hours to get that show done, yeah. especially during a a holiday show where they're very complicated and complex and it would take you know hours and hours to get home. You know, you'd leave the studio at two in the morning and be back at seven in the morning. Sometimes we just sleep over. Yeah. But um, on our show on another world, as opposed to some of the bill bell shows, we didn't use cue cards. So that made it much more difficult at first, but your, your mind is like a muscle. You would, you would learn how to memorize and it would just become so easy after a while. And you, you would see how they wrote for you and it would just somehow just, 
jump off the page. And so it became so easy to sit there and learn an entire script. Now, granted, you're not in the entire script. You're only in certain scenes. But sometimes, you know, paragraph, 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 and you know, lots of stuff, lots of meat to get out. And, um, and it could be difficult. But it's just you're there 50 weeks a year, pretty much. You have two weeks off. Whoa. And you have to book those two weeks months in advance so they can write it into the story. You know, where is Dr. Jamie Frame? Oh, he went off to a, a doctor's conference in, um, you know, in Florida or something. And it's really because you're on vacation that week and it's like, hey, I got to go see my my niece's graduation party. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. And so you'd have to give them that much notice. And you really would only get two weeks for the year. And there was one time where I was out here in L.A. And, of course, we shot in Brooklyn, New York. And I was packing something up on a scale and I was weighing on a scale in my backyard and my foot slid off the scale and I broke this bone in my foot. Now, all of a sudden, I have to call the studio immediately. They have to write into the show that Jamie Frame broke his foot playing tennis because oh now God. I'm on a show. I'm in a, I'm in a cast and I'm in, on crutches for the next six weeks. That's crazy. So, yeah, things happen really quickly and they throw stuff at you like something may not work in rehearsal. First thing we do is rehearsal, then make up, then go to set. Uh, but something may not work, and the writers will write something totally different, and you got to learn it like that. So it's a, it's a different pace. Um, and, you know, it's also, you know, you're employed, like I said, 50 weeks a year, which is very nice as an actor. Yeah. But it's a lot of work. It truly is. It's a factory. You know, you spin that stuff out every day, and um, it's quite a commitment, and it's a terrific learning ground. And I learned a great deal from people I worked with, and and had a wonderful time. And when you're on a show, I was on that show for three years, but you create a family. I just like if you're on a film for a long time, you create a family. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, I, people from Friday or family and shopping mall. Um, but I remember my last day, you know, everyone for everyone's last day, cause we're all there. We always have a party for whoever's leaving their last scene. Uh, everyone's crying because you know, you, you're so close after all that time, all the stuff, even though it's, it's heightened drama, none of it is real. Yeah. All the drama off the set, you know, when you're comparing notes, but, Oh, I can't believe we went that later. Oh, like the scene or that, you know, all the real stuff you talk about really bonds you on yeah. top of the scenes that bond you. Yeah. That's cool. That's way cool. Yeah, and I can't even imagine how different that has to be, like what a different um, experience that is in filming movies. It's yeah, crazy. It is. And it's, and it's predominantly in studio where, you know, a lot of films are on location. Although when I arrived at the show immediately, like within three weeks, they took me, my character, Jamie, and Anne Haish, who played Marley, uh, to Nice, to France, to film, a lo- uh, you know, a location. And wow, did I Whoa. get you know, here I am, the new guy, and I get taken to Europe, and they're all stuck in a studio for the last 15, 20 years. <laughs> and, and they gave me grief. Yeah. Like, it's not my choice. You know, I didn't write the show. I didn't write the script. Who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think you are? So that was a thrill. But so that was, you know, it's, it's pretty rare we would do location. I mean, um, remotes, but but that was a terrific one. I remember reading. I was going to say, I didn't realize they did uh, on location with soap operas. I thought it was just like, throw up some uh, fake trees, tell them we're in France. Usually, yes, yes. But occasionally they will do a remote, which is great. It's going to be one of those things where my wife walks in tomorrow and I'm like catching up on Bold and the Beautiful. She's like, what the fuck is going on? I'll be like, well, I met Russ Todd and now I'm in. So I got to watch every episode. 
Well, Bold and the Beautiful, I only came on for a short while. I was like a red herring. I forget what my character was, but people would try to think that I was uh, a killer. I really wasn't, but I was just on for a few. But um, Young and the Restless, I came on because Don Diamant, who played Brad Carlton, was like one of the most beloved characters on YNR, probably in daytime soaps in general. He had gotten, I believe, meningitis in real life, but he was ill. Uh, and they didn't know when or if he was going to return. So they called me in to replace him. Uh, no addition or anything. We want you to just come in and fill in for Don, and maybe it'll, you'll be staying here. And uh, I knew Don. He's, he was a friend of mine. I didn't know he had he was ill, but uh, I found out. So I felt a little odd to do, but I went in and did the show, and immediately I found out, oh, I have cue cards here. Wow, this is interesting. You don't have to memorize <laughs> anything. And... Um, I remember we shot at CBS Television City, which is in Hollywood area, little little east of it, west of it. And uh, at the end of the day, when I would leave, there would be people at the stage door going, we hate you. We want Don back. Oh we don't God, like you, dude. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm sorry. I, I'm just you know, doing my job here. I can't help it. You know, well, guess what? I'm going to France next week. They just wrote it in, so suck it. <laughs> <laughs> But people were so upset that I was playing the role and not done. And I guess they didn't realize he was sick and, and, and yeah. it had to be done. But I took a lot of crap. It was it was so funny. That is funny. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, Russ, what, what you've been up to nowadays as an agent. So um, we see that you've got a site. So you've got an agency that uh, represents what? Steadicam, camera operators, underwater, Segway. Um, like yes. More like some of some of that, that type of stuff. So Yeah, uh, so when I came back, I had done a... Um, Let's see. The last thing I did as an actor, I was I did a commercial with uh, Sharon Stone. In fact, if you want to Google it, it's a terrific black oh and white God. spot. Just Google Sharon Stone yeah. and the word scotch because it's for a scotch called William Lawson Scotch. And I play a date, her date. And we just shot it at the Biltmore in downtown L.A. And we're coming out of an elevator and there's this guy, like a handsome guy with no shirt in a kilt walking through the hotel. And the elevator door opens and it's Sharon and myself and we come out. And she sits on the couch and I go get, I go to the front desk to, I think to order a car or something for us to go out for the evening. She sits down, she looks at the guy and she's looking at him and I'm like, Hey, I'm with you. You know, what are you looking at? And I come and I sit down opposite the guy. I give him a stare and he looks at me and he unspreads his legs and he's wearing no underwear. (laughs) And, oh and it God. cuts to Sharon and she's laughing hysterically. And there's William Lawson Scotch. Uh, it's a cool spot. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Take a takeoff on the movie. Ba- Basic instinct. Yeah. Yep. But it's really uh, funny. Yeah. So, so that I did was your that. last act, acting gig. I, I, what's that? So that was your last uh, like acting gig. That was game. my last thing. And I remember going on one other audition, which I didn't get the part, uh, but the guy that was running the camera was a friend of mine. And he said, well, you know, I'm starting to work at this agency and they're looking for someone to um, assist in the TV department. I said, I don't know if I want to do that. I've been on, I just came off a show. I said, let me meet them. And I met the owner and she was this dynamic woman. I liked her a lot and I wanted to work with her. So I took the job and literally within two or three weeks, I'm at the front desk and a guy walks in and said, do you represent Steadicam operators? And I'm thinking, I don't know. I said, let me get back to you. So I did some research and I found out that no one was repping Steadicam operators. So I started calling Steadicam operators. I called 10 at that point. I said, do you want to be repped? 
Oh, yeah, man, that'd be great. Let's do that. So I brought on 10 people. And I started the first division at any agency in the world. And we were doing great. And I built 10 to 20. And I kept about 20. And it kept growing and growing and growing there. I mean, just doing really well. I thought, well, I should do this on my own. So I, I gave my notice and I left a few months later. And I opened the Russell Todd Agency. Uh, and that was 21 years ago. And it grew to 50 clients, pretty much where I kept it. And it's been amazing. It's it's probably the best move I ever made and, and the best thing I ever done. I mean, I loved all the acting I've done, but this has really been rewarding in the sense of um, I love the negotiating. It's great. I love my clients dealing with them, all their various personalities. Uh, it's a terrific balancing act between them and the studios and the networks. And I just find it uh, creative and, and exhilarating. Um, and it's been, um, uh, very good financially too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really done well, the agency. So I'm very happy that I, that I made that move. Yeah. And we were, that's awesome, man. Congrats to you on that. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you very much. And we were looking at your site too, and you've got some affiliation to some serious projects, uh, that horror fans may know of such as quiet place Two, oh, yeah. uh, Deadwood, the movie, Jamie, uh, mm. Jamie and I are both big Deadwood fans. Uh-huh. Uh, Stranger Things, American Horror Story, the new Halloween. Um, so I guess as the the tangible piece of how you interact with those is you you represent the individuals doing the camera. Some some of the camera. Yes. Work, yeah? yep. So I represent the Steadicam operator. So either a unit production manager or production coordinator, sometimes the director of photography will call me directly. And uh, and say, I'm looking for either this person specifically or who do you have? And since I have a stable, a roster of 50 people, I, not that all of them are in the same location. They're all over the country. Yeah. I can, you know, submit those people. Yeah. But we've done so many horror films and, you know, all the Hunger Games and all the Transformers and um, almost every major movie you see we've had a client on and television show and commercial and music video, all the giant videos and, and well-known commercials. The Super Bowl commercials, uh, documentaries, um, you know, the agency is well known, uh, 21 years, and people know that it's kind of one-stop shop. You're looking for a camera operator, you're looking for a steady cam operator. We have underwater operators, people that work on the Segway. We have some drone operators. We have some DPs now, directors of photography. So it's, it's pretty much one-stop shopping. That's awesome. That's incredible. Anything? I love that you built that from the ground up, essentially. Well, yeah, really thank you very much. You know, I, I had no idea what was going to happen, but somehow after those first couple of years when it did so well at that other agency, I thought there's something here, you know, people, these guys want to be repped, not all, but many of them did. And um, I think I can do it. And, you know, the first few years were, I was nervous and, you know, I'm learning a new skill set, but it all seemed to come together and uh, it's been great. Anything uh, new and upcoming that you want to plug? Um, um, I'm doing a, fan, a horror convention, and I will tell you that the dates are August. Let's see. Let's see. Tell oh, me it's sorry. Philadelphia, August 16th and 17th. That would be no, it's, it's Los Angeles. Oh, it's a Days of the Dead convention. You oh, mentioned right, that it was yeah, a Days yeah. of the Dead convention. So it's the 5th, 6th, and 7th of August at uh, near, near LAX, near the airport. 
So I'm doing that one. And then I'm going to London. I'll be in London doing a convention um, in November, another horror convention. Um, I believe it's the 20th or 21st, 20, 19 and 20, I believe, uh, in London. We so do have cool some international listeners. So those in Terrific. London. Please show out. up. Yeah, Perfect. please show up. We actually have some listeners in London. So yeah. Fantastic. Um, if are, you're in the LA or London area, mark your calendars. Yeah, be sure to get Go there. Go see Russ. That'd be, that'd be great. All right, well, Russ, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you making the time for us. Um, I, I think we've uh, we held it, we held our cool, not not fanning out too much, but we we do love your work. Uh, those those three films particularly, man, they're so um, so important to us for a million different reasons, and they wouldn't have been what they are near if, and dear. Yeah. Exactly, near and dear. Uh, if, if you weren't in them, they wouldn't have uh, mattered as much to us. So, so thanks for your your contribution to the the community, man. Well, it was a real pleasure being here, John Jermaine. Thank you so much for asking me, and uh, it's great you guys are horror fans, and uh, and I appreciate the fans out there because they make it all possible and they keep it going. Yeah, we we try. One hundred percent. Yeah. All right, well, <laughs> We'll catch you at a convention soon. Thanks, Russ. That sounds great. Thank you, guys.